Chapter Fourteen of More Celtic Fairy Tales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. More Celtic Fairy Tales by Joseph Jacobs. Chapter Fourteen The Legend of Knock Grafton. There once was a poor man who lived in the fertile glen of Aherlow, at the foot of the gloomy Galty Mountains, and he had a great hump on his back. He looked just as if his body had been rolled up and placed upon his shoulders, and his head was pressed down with a weight so much that his chin, when he was sitting, used to rest upon his knees for support. The country people were rather shy of meeting him in any lonesome place, for though, poor creature, he was as harmless and as inoffensive as a newborn infant, yet his deformity was so great that he scarcely appeared to be a human creature, and some ill-minded persons had set strange stories about him afloat. He was said to have a great knowledge of herbs and charms, but certain it was that he had a mighty skilful hand in plaiting straw and rushes into hats and baskets, which was the way he made his livelihood. Lus more, for that was the nickname put upon him by reason of his wearing a sprig of the fairy cap, or Lus more, the foxglove, in his little straw hat, would ever get a higher penny for his plaited work than any one else and perhaps that was the reason why someone, out of envy, had circulated the strange stories about him. Be that as it may, it happened that he was returning one evening from the pretty town of Care towards Kappa, and as little Lusmore walked very slowly, on account of the great hump upon his back, it was quite dark when he came to the old moat of Knockgrafton which stood on the right-hand side of his road. Tired and weary was he, and no ways comfortable in his own mind at thinking how much farther he had to travel, and that he would be walking all the night. So he sat down under the moat to rest himself, and began looking mournfully enough upon the moon. Presently there rose a wild strain of unearthly melody upon the ear of little Lusmore. He listened, and he thought that he had never heard such ravishing music before. It was like the sound of many voices, each mingling and blending with the other, so strangely that they seemed to be one, though all singing different strains, and the words of the song were these. Da Luan, da Mort, da Luan, da Mort, da Luan, da Mort, when there would be a moment's pause, and then the sound of melody went on again. Lesmore listened attentively, scarcely drawing his breath, lest he might lose the slightest note he now plainly perceived that the singing was within the moat. And though at first it had charmed him so much, he began to get tired of hearing the same round sung over and over 
so often without any change, so availing the pause when the de Luan da Mort had been sung three times, he took up the tune and raised it with the words August da Cadine, and then went on singing with the voices inside of the moat, da Luan da Mort, finishing the melody when the pause again came with August da Cadine. The fairies within Knockgrafton, for the song was a fairy melody, when they heard this addition to the tune, were so much delighted that with instant resolve it was determined to bring the mortal among them, whose musical skill so far exceeded theirs, and little less more was conveyed into their company with the eddying speed of a whirlwind. Glorious to behold was the sight that burst upon him as he came down through the moat, twirling round and round, with the lightness of a straw, to the sweetest music that kept time to his motion. The greatest honor was then paid him, for he was put above all the musicians, and he had servants tending upon him, and everything to his heart's content, and a hearty welcome to all. And in short, he was made as much of as if he had been the first man in the land. Presently Lusmore saw a great consultation going forward among the fairies, and notwithstanding all their civility, he felt very much frightened, until one stepping out from the rest came up to him and said, Lusmore, Lustmore, doubt not, nor deplore, for the hump which you bore on your back is no more. Look down on the floor and view it, Lusmore. When these words were said, poor little Lusmore felt himself so light and so happy that he thought he could have bounded at one jump over the moon, like the cow in the history of the cat and the fiddle and he saw with inexpressible pleasure his hump tumble down upon the ground from his shoulders. He then tried to lift up his head, and he did so with becoming caution, fearing that he might knock it against the ceiling of the grand hall where he was. He looked round and round again with greatest wonder and delight upon everything, which appeared more and more beautiful, and overpowered at beholding such a resplendent scene, his head grew dizzy, and his eyesight became dim. At last he fell into a deep sleep, and when he awoke he found that it was broad daylight, the sun shining brightly, and the birds singing sweetly, and that he was lying just at the foot of the moat of Knockgrafton, with the cows and sheep grazing peacefully round about him. The first thing Lusmore did, after saying his prayers, was to put his hand behind, to feel for his lump. But no sign of one was there on his back, and he looked at himself with great pride, for he had now become a well-shaped, dapper little fellow. And more than that, 
found himself in a full suit of new clothes, which he concluded the fairies had made for him. Towards Kappa he went, stepping out as lightly and springing up at every step, as if he had been all his life a dancing master. Not a creature who met Lusmore knew him without his hump, and he had a great work to persuade everyone that he was the same man. In truth he was not, so far as outward appearance went. Of course it was not long before the story of Lusmore's hump got about, and a great wonder was made of it. Through the country for miles around it was the talk of everyone, high and low. One morning, as Lusmore was sitting contented enough at his cabin door, up came an old woman to him and asked him if he could direct her to Kappa. I need give you no directions, my good woman, said Lusmore, for this is Kappa, and whom may you want here? I have come, said the woman, out of DC's country, in the county of Waterford, looking after one Lusmore, who I have heard tell had his hump taken off by the fairies. For there is a son of a gossip of mine who has got a hump on him that will be his death, and maybe if he could use the same charm as Lusmore, the hump may be taken off him. And now I have told you the reason of my coming so far. "'Tis to find out about this charm, if I can. Lusmore, who was ever a good-natured little fellow, told the woman all the particulars, how he had raised the tune for the fairies at Knockgrafton, how his hump had been removed from his shoulders, and how he had got a new suit of clothes into the bargain. The woman thanked him very much, and then went away quite happy and easy in her own mind. When she came back to her gossip's house in the county of Waterford, she told her everything that Lusmore had said, and they put the little humpbacked man, who was a peevish and cunning creature from his birth, upon a car and took him all the way across the country. It was a long journey, but they did not care for that. So the hump was taken off from him, and they brought him just at nightfall, and left him under the moat of Knockgrafton. Jack Madden, for that was the humpy man's name, had not been sitting there long when he heard the tune going on within the moat much sweeter than before, for the fairies were singing it the way Lusmore had settled their music for them, and the song was going on. Daluan, Da mort, da luan, da mort, da luan, da mort, August da Cadin. Without ever stopping, Jack Madden, who was in a great hurry to get quit of his hump, never thought of waiting until the fairies had done, or watching for a fit opportunity to raise the tune higher again than less more had. So having heard them sing it over seven times without stopping, out he bawls, never minding the time or the humor of the tune, or how he could bring his words in properly. August Dacadine, 
Augustahenna. Thinking that if one day was good, two were better, and that if Lusmore had one new suit of clothes given him, he should have two. No sooner had the words passed his lips than he was taken up and whisked into the moat with prodigious force, and the fairies came crowding round about him with great anger, screeching and screaming and roaring out, Who spoiled our tune? Who spoiled our tune? And one stepped up to him, above all the rest, and said, Jack Madden, Jack Madden, your words came so bad in, the tune we felt glad in, the castle you're had in, that your life we may sadden. Here's two lumps for Jack Madden. And twenty of the strongest fairies brought Lusmore's hump and put it down upon poor Jack's back, over his own, where it became fixed as firmly as if it was nailed on with twelve penny nails by the best carpenter that ever drove one. Out of their castle they then kicked him, and in the morning, when Jack Madden's mother and her gossip came to look after their little man, they found him half dead, lying at the foot of the moat, with the other hump upon his back. Well, to be sure, how they did look at each other! But they were afraid to say anything lest a hump might be put upon their own shoulders. Home they brought the unlucky Jack Madden with them, as downcast in their hearts and their looks as ever two gossips were, and what through the weight of his other hump and the long journey, he died soon after, leaving, they say, his heavy curse to any one who would go to listen to fairy tunes again. End of chapter 14. Recording by John Brandon.